2023 Treasure Island Development Authority Board Meeting. The TIDA Board and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that will allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment by telephone. Public comment will be taken for each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be heard first, followed by those joining remotely by phone. For remote public comment, the call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2662-553-5003. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Remote public comment will be limited to 20 minutes per agenda item. When public comment is called on your item of interest, those joining in person should line up to speak at the podium, and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the queue. Each speaker may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted to comply with city rules and maintain hearing decorum. Directors shall refrain from entering into discussions with speakers during public comment. If members of the public wish to receive a response from TIDA staff, please email tida at sfgov.org and a TIDA staff member will follow up. Item number one, call to order. Director Sen? Here. Director Dunlop? Dunlop absent. Director Richardson? Here. Director Breston? Breston absent. Director Howard? Here. Director Azim? Here. Director Reif? Present. We do have a quorum. Thank you. Thank you very much and good afternoon everybody and thank you for joining us today. Um, I would just like to note that there were five photographers who were selected at the beginning of the year to document the changes on Treasure Island this year and their photographs um, through the Arts Commission have been made into posters and they are now at the Deco kiosk, the bus kiosk in the financial district in the Long Market Street. So um, there's a link to where those locations are. And Kate, um, I think we will make sure you get the link and get it out to the board and also to the general public as well, because these are wonderful images of Treasure Island um, as it changes. Um, some of the images are timeless. It will always be there. The views, for instance, will always be there. But some of it is documenting Treasure Island this year as we made so many changes on the island. And so those are well worth looking at. So um, we'll go on to the next item, please. Item number two, general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. Are there any members of the public who would like to address the board? Okay. Is there anybody on the phone? Being no callers. Okay, next item please. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Uh, Director Tsen, members of the board, um, Bob Beck uh, presenting for TIDA. Um, I'd like to begin by inviting now Gonsalves to, uh, uh, with One Treasure Island to come and give an update on, on their activities of the past month. Good afternoon, directors. Thank you, Bob. As Bob stated, my name is Nella Gonsalves, and I'm the co-executive director for One Treasure Island. I'd like to share with you a few highlights of our work over the last month. 
Um, Treasure Island Programming, we are having our 16th cohort of the construction training program, and we have a graduation this Friday at 11 a.m. on Treasure Island, and uh, the invitation was included in your packet, and we hope you can join us. We're very excited uh, to have this class graduate. Almost 50% of the class is already working, so we're excited about that. I'd like to move on to some community engagement and events. <clears throat> Our island-wide community meeting this month will be partnering with the San Francisco Police Department and we'll, we'll be hosting a community meeting along with uh, the police department. It will be in person on the 18th at um, in Building 1, so we're excited to have the community come out and not only hear about all the events that are happening but also what's going on uh, through the police. We held an island-wide orientation. As you know, we had about 100 and I think 40 or so new residents that we've identified move on the island through the Health Right 360 and swore to plowshares, Maseo May housing. And so we held an in-person orientation at the Ship Shape. We had 33 residents and workers show up. We had 20 actually attend. Uh, Director Bob Beck and Admiral Security joined me to um, give a presentation and it went over very well. I think people were very pleased. I think the one highlight from that was we heard overwhelmingly from the people that were there how much they enjoy were living on the island and that's not always something that we hear so it was really nice to hear that um, by so many different people. I told Director Bob to enjoy it <laughs> while he heard it. <laughs> Um, we are starting our emergency prep workshops. We uh, had a bunch called Mapping Your Neighborhood, and we had 21 individuals attend three meetings, and we're excited. We have over 30 individuals that are interested in participating in NERT, which is the Neighborhood Emergency Response tr Team Training, and we're looking to have NERT training scheduled in uh, January. And the idea is to have the residents be responsible for emergency coordination should an emergency or natural disaster happen when we're not on the island. And last but not least, we have a big Halloween celebration. Um, on the 25th of this month, it will be at the YMCA. And uh, we're working with the parent council and local businesses to provide. And we're very excited because this year we have some of the construction companies that are doing business on the island partner with it, partnering with us. And last but not least, I would like to invite you all to our annual event, October 19th. It's at the Skyline event at 530. And we've ordered the weather. It will be 78 degrees. And the sunset will be at 618. So it should be a perfect evening. Thank you all. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you Nella. Um, this past month was also a busy month on the island. Uh, we had two music events on Saturday the 16th and Saturday the 23rd. Um, both went off uh, fairly well with, and were well attended. Uh, this past weekend was Fleet Week uh, with, with sizable crowds coming to the uh, island on Friday, uh, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Saturday's crowd uh, had the largest turnout and, and the best weather. Um, Titus staff uh, did a lot to prepare for the event, um, and generally speaking, uh, the events went well and traffic flowed relatively smoothly. Uh, Titus staff preparations included uh, the, the placement of barricades, portable restrooms, um, an encroachment permit closing lane five of the Bay Bridge for uh, to allow 
that are exiting from the island at the end of the air show. Um, uh, West Park uh, was brought in to provide flaggers to help control traffic. Uh, SFMTA also provided additional support and SFPD uh, had additional officers on site uh, as well as extra security personnel from, from Admiral. Um, Gold Bar also opened their whiskey bar in building one on uh, the 22nd. Uh, Titus staff have also been uh, coordinating uh, a pothole sweep, which will begin next week on the island, as well as dealing with uh, some graffiti. Um, Rubicon and a tree contractor have been removing the root balls of downed trees uh, in the historic officer's quarter that came down in the March 21st storm. That work is now complete and restoration planting is underway. Uh, leasing, our leasing staff uh, has been working on renewing um, our commercial leases with the majority of our tenants. Um, and finance staff have been working with the Office of Public Finance uh, and, and the bond team to prepare the preliminary official statement for an upcoming uh, community facilities district bond issuance. Um, on the uh, notice of completion front, uh, uh, the Board of Supervisors approved the acceptance of the dog park. Um, we'll hear more about uh, plans for the maintenance of the dog park uh, during our regular agenda, um, as well as uh, update on, on completed packages moving to the Board of Supervisors uh, for acceptance related to the YBI and TISIP, uh, an update on the Starview Court uh, work with TI advisors, um, and uh, that completes my report. Okay, thank you. Um, let's see, are there any questions or comments from the board? Yes, a quick question, please. Um, let me have Mrs. Zim first, yeah. Yes, where are we with the farmer's market? Um, the 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 Treasure Island flea the yeah, the flea market. flea market will be returning uh, February of next year. So the board approved that agreement last month, and and uh, their first one will be in February. Mrs. I just yes. want to make a comment to Nella. Congratulations and Bob on the great response from the Maseome residents. That's really great to hear, and that there's been a lot of activity, and I know a lot of people have enjoyed what's been happening. So great work. Thank you. The, the Mercy team has been, been great to work with. And thank you again. Yes, One Treasure Island is such an invaluable resource for the island. Thank you for all that you do. Um, are there any other comments from the public? Okay, and anybody on the phone? Seeing none. Okay, thank you. We'll go on to the next item, please. Item number four, communications from and received by Tida. Any questions or comments from the board? From the public? Seeing no public comment. Okay, hearing none, next item, please. Item number five, ongoing business by board of directors. Any comments or questions from the board? Um, Mr. Beck, I, I just have a question, and that is the parks um, oversight and stewardship, which is an item which we're always concerned about. And given the fact that we have two items on the agenda today with regards to the acceptance of those public amenities, um, 
I, I'd like to have a report on um, what's happening there, um, how we're going to go forward, and how we're going to make some decisions on how that oversight will happen. Yeah, and uh, we are working on an item on that and plan to do that at the Infrastructure Committee next week. Okay, next week. All right, thank you. Um, are there any other comments? No. And seeing no public comment. Oh, sorry. Yes, um, uh, Ms. Howard. I do want to just, um, yeah, I'm glad to hear, Bob, that, I mean, um, Director Beck, that next week we will be getting an update on the, the parks and governance. Um, yeah, I, I guess last month we brought it up and the month before, and we had asked for a report out on it, and today we're having two, yeah, as, as, um, as uh, Director Beck Noted, I mean, we have two items on the agenda which are kind of uh, very specific and not kind of addressing the big picture that we've been really concerned with. So I'm really happy to hear that we will get a report out um, soon. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Um, any other comments from the audience or the phone? There's no public comment. Okay. Next item, please. Item number six, consent agenda. 6A, approving the minutes of the September 13th, 2023 meeting. 6B, resolution approving and authorizing the execution of a First Amendment to the Professional Services Agreement between Tida and One Treasure Island to increase the annual scope of services and not to exceed contract amount for fiscal year 2023-2024. 6C, resolution authorizing the adjustment of fees for Treasure Island Development Authority utility system customers on Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island. Okay, are there any items that the directors would like to consider separately from the consent agenda? So moved. So hearing none, um, motion and second, please. So moved. Okay, it's been moved. Is there a second? Second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 All those opposed, the ayes have it. Next item, please. And for the record, there is no public comment. Item seven. Resolution approving the election of officers of the Treasure Island Development Authority and the appointment of officers to the Housing, Infrastructure, Transportation, and Sustainability Committee as nominated by the Ad Hoc Nomination Committee to serve a 12-month term of office commencing January 1st, 2024 and ending December 31st, 2024. Okay. So on that, I'd like to turn to the Nominations Committee. Um, Mr. Dunlop is not here, but Ms. Richardson and Ms. Howard so we'll have your report. Thank you so much. Um, every year, the TIDA has to select uh, officers for a year, and uh, for this particular uh, year, next year, <laughs> we uh, actually met at 1 o'clock today uh, to select the officers. And I want to start here. Um, all the officers are highly regarded. Our president for denomination, Commissioner Patient, uh, wanted you to let you know that um, you have consistently uh, upheld the leadership, your extensive knowledge of development overall, and expertise, academic background. And again, I know you're very modest. I say that all the time. Um, actually, all over San Francisco, all over this country, um, you are on the radar. All the work that you've done uh, with uh, affordable housing, mixed-use uh, housing, in addition to uh, public realm. I think you are the go-to person when people talk about public realm. How do we make 
uh, this space that we are creating and the trends. Uh, you have the expertise, sustainability, and so uh, have the privilege serving with you um, all these years, and you have just maintained that. So you are going to continue to be uh, president of TIDA, uh, the Yaba Buena, and Treasure Island Development. For people that are watching uh, for the first time, uh, we have actually certification for a platinum standard. Our, our projects are not only on the radar in North America, but uh, everyone is really looking at that. It's a public-private uh, development, and what we bring along is demonstrate to the entire North America even how to manage uh, public-private partnerships. So with all those and many more, you are going to continue um, as our president, so thank you for your uh, service. And for the rest of the positions, we have the, these are the officers, vice president will be yours truly, and Federica Richardson, uh, for our secretary position, uh, Commissioner Jenna Howard uh, is uh, nominated, and for the Chief Financial Officer, uh, Commissioner Mark Dunlop. And so we also have our subcommittees, and these are the subcommittees that we uh, create to help us to again to get the work done. Uh, done. And so we have a combined uh, housing. As you know, housing is integral to what we are trying to do here. We're actually building housing here at Treasure Island where the rest of San Francisco is still talking about housing. And so we also have infrastructure and transportation. As you know, the development is still ongoing and, um, and sustainability. The sustainability will be including how are we adapting this project, iconic projects, to the open space and the parks, and which we are going to be talking about that. And so these are the officers, the members of those committee, uh, will be Linda Federica Richardson, Chair, uh, Commissioner Feishan is a member, Commissioner Jenna Howard is a member, the alternate is Commissioner Timothy Wright. So those are the officers and members that we are are presenting, and of course, the way that we are structured, all our other members, everyone, it's um, a part of um, the coalition. So that's my presentation. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Did you have anything to add to that? No. Well, thank you. Thank you. Let's see. This microphone just fell apart. But thank you very much for your confidence in me as a president, and I will continue. Um, but I also want to say that it's so important to have a team on this board, and each one of you are unique and have experience and skills that you add to what we're doing. And what we're doing is really to provide the guidance as we implement the master plan for the development of this incredible island. So thank you all for your service. So we have um, uh, the recommendation of the nominating committee. We'll open it up to the public. Any comments, questions? Okay. Seeing no public comment. Uh, seeing no public comment, um, this is an action item. Uh, so um, you've made, we need a, actual motion yes and I need a, a motion second. I'd like to make a motion to pass the uh, measure okay a second okay thank so you and thank you vote all in favor so, oh, so we'll, you have to call the uh, yes. roll call so yes. we will um, take the vote and 
We, we don't all need. In favor. Okay. So all in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Item number eight. Resolution to accept certain improvements on Yerba Buena Island and Treasure Island to designate the applicable portion of the improvements for open space use, to dedicate the applicable portion of the improvements for public use, and to accept the improvements for maintenance and liability purposes. And uh, Wei Zhang, who uh, leads our, our coordination with Public Works on the uh, inspection of, of the construction activities on the island, uh, will give a presentation on this item. Uh, hello, directors. My name is Wei Jiang. As Bob mentioned, I'm the um, construction manager at Taida. Uh, is this working? Yes. Oh, okay, sorry. Just, uh, so today, it's my pleasure to present the um, completed improvements on Taida's land uh, for the board to consider for acceptance. Um, so I'd like to start with a brief overview and status of the infrastructure. Um, there are two groups um, in the infrastructure built by the master developer TICD. Uh, I'll provide a clarification between the city assets and the TIDA asset in the following slide. And then I'd like to walk you through each improvement and provide you with their locations, functions, and recent pictures. Um, I'm sorry to report that the governance and oversight is going to be um, another topic um, that's not the focus of today's presentation. Uh, finally, I'll talk about the acceptance process and timeline. Um, so there are two groups of assets in the infrastructure. Um, TIDA assets are generally on TIDA's uh, land. Uh, a lot of them are parks and open space improvements, um, but occasionally there are other infrastructure improvements, such as a retaining wall or a road, um, as we will walk through each asset um, here today together. On the other hand, the, the city assets are within the city's established right-of-way or public easements. Uh, they are generally the water, the sewer, power, utility service lines, as well as roads and traffic signals. Um, so our focus here today, again, it will be on the TIDA assets. Um, an overall map um, of the proposed development uh, shown here. Um, currently, you know, there are three general stages of development. Uh, Yuba Burina Island, and on Treasure Island, there are two stages, uh, TI Stage 1 and TI Stage 2. The city, as Bob mentioned, has inspected um, the improvements issue, um, the improvements on TI Stage 1 and Yuba Buena Island and has issued notice of completion for the infrastructures. The notice of completion covers both the utilities as well as the street improvements and uh, including the title assets we're talking about here today within these two stages, uh, namely the YBI and the TI stage one. Um, and just to recap, um, the board has accepted um, 12 kV temporary interim overhead on Treasure Island, as well as the interim sanitary sewer force main on Treasure Island. And most recently, the board has accepted the rocks, um, the dog park on um, Yuba Brain Island. <laughs> 
So before we um, walk through each improvements in detail, I'd just like to show a map of the improvements under consideration today, sort of under a single map here. Um, and the yellow area um, are basically the assets under consideration. Um, so there are four parks slash open spaces. There are three roadway improvements, and there are two retaining wall improvements that are being considered today. And I'll walk through each one of them. Um, so first up, we have the Bakai Grove, uh, otherwise known as the West Stormwater Garden. It's located at the intersection of McCullough Road and TI Road. It's approximately 2.13 acres in size. Um, it is basically consists of a landscaping, a variety of plants, a buckeye um, from the existing um, a tree that was uh, remained during the development, um, pedestrian lighting, bike lanes, uh, irrigation, um, and um, you know, from personal experience, when I walk through there, it smells wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, next, we have Willow Bridge Park. Um, this is a less um, visited improvement. Uh, it's open to the public as of now. Um, it's located at the end of Northgate Road, um, and uh, it's approximately 1.3 acres in size. Also consists of a variety of plants, um, as well as irrigations, plants, pedestrian lighting, and a bench and pedestrian path. Um, and uh, just want to say, also smells wonderful. Um, and then next we have the causeway improvements that are on the side of the causeway uh, or TI Road. Um, it includes concrete pathway that leads down to the Clipper Cove Beach as well as a concrete deck. Um, and then as you can see in the picture, it has pedestrian lighting, handrails, um, fence, and um, you know, this is one of my dog's favorite improvement um, on, on, the, on the island so far. Um, and rounding up the open space improvements, improvement number four is a Bruton Street, is the Bruton Street Plaza. Uh, it's on Treasure Island. It's, um, it connects to, it will connect to the future city site park and cultural park. Um, Tida will maintain the surface and the city will maintain and own the utilities underneath this asset. Um, moving on to road improvements under consideration today, uh, we have the Northgate Road. Northgate Road is a public road. It's an existing road. It's one lane in each direction. It has no sidewalk and really little room for shoulder. Tida owns the, um, the road currently and maintains the surface. Um, and there are new utilities underneath the road, and the city will own and operate those utilities. <clears throat> so Northgate Road, it's, um, I, want, I want to just clarify that um, the infrastructure plan um, as part of the DDA dictates improvements obligations um, for the master developer. In the infrastructure plan, and I clip a page of the infrastructure plan um, as an exhibit here, 
It shows Northgate Road as an existing street and it limits the developer's improvement to just an overlay and grind of the existing pavement. Um, and this makes this road um, substandard to the city standard, so it cannot be a city road, and therefore this is why it remains uh, a tidal asset. Next on the road improvement assets, we have um, Signal Road. This is uh, another public road. This is a newly built road as part of the TIDG's, TICD's improvement. Um, it's one lane each direction. It was a private road uh, as shown here by the exhibit from the infrastructure plan, but later switched to a public road to allow the city to manage the utilities um, and issue permit within this road. Tida maintains the surface and the city owns and maintains the utilities underneath the road. Um, next, we have the tank access road. It's one lane only. Um, it's restricted access for PUC and city staff to access the tanks and adjacent public, in, in public facilities. It's one way towards the McCullough. Tida maintains the surface and the city owns and maintains the utilities underneath the road. Um, and then uh, improvement number eight is just a retaining wall along McCullough. As you drive down McCullough, you probably see the retaining wall. Um, it's uh, holding up the hillside parcel, which is also a Tida parcel, and the retaining wall sits within the Tida's uh, land. Finally, we have the retaining wall that's separating the job core property with the development on seven C's. Um, there's also this particular retaining wall has its own parcel, which is also owned by Tida, and this is the last asset that we're going to talk about today. And just like to bring up a couple additional upcoming assets that we will be bringing uh, to the board in due time. Um, we expect notice of completion by the end of 2023, uh, which is the Infinity Park and the Signal Park, including the sculpture here, as well as the Causeway Park and Waterfront Plaza. Uh, additionally, we'll bring uh, some additional infrastructure improvements, such as the storm treatment pump stations on TI. <clears throat> Lastly, I on the process, um, through consultation and advice with city attorneys, um, Tida has this, Tida has uh, is on the path to take the conservative approach, where Tida board will accept the assets, Tida assets first, and the board of supervisor will acknowledge Tida's board's action. Uh, this is until later when the board of supervisor delegates full acceptance authority to the Tida board. So with Tida board's action today. Um, a legislation package will be put together um, by the TIDA staff and the DPW staff and the attorneys um, to submit to the Board of Supervisor for acknowledgement of the TIDA's board's action to accept the TIDA's asset today. And we expect the following schedule, um, you know, with the um, Board of Supervisors 
legislation schedule. So tentatively, it will be submitted to the Board of Supervisor on November the 7th of this year. And through the process by February, mid-February, um, the asset will be officially tied us. Um, final slide here. Um, Want to just touch base on the city acceptance process and the timeline, as Bob mentioned. Um, Want to just briefly touch on the city assets that were mentioned in the previous slides. Um, in the first two general stages of Yuba Buena Island and TI Stage One, city assets such as the water, power, and and uh, electrical are also ready for a street acceptance legislation so that the city can take those city assets officially. And we expect the city to take those legislation to be on the same uh, schedule that we have shown here. Um, it'll be a companion legislation to the acknowledgement legislation of TIDA board's uh, acceptance of the TIDA asset. So the two um, legislation will go hand in hand and be introduced uh, to the title board. At least that's the plan. Um, and together, the two legislation accepts the entire improvements on YBI and TI Stage 1, and thus fulfilling Titus and City's obligation of acceptance under the DDA. Um, and with that, I conclude my presentation. Um, any questions or comments? Thank you, thank you so much. Um, I see we've got comments and I have comments as well. I'll let my fellow board members go first and then conclude. Um, Ms. Richardson, go ahead. Thank you so much, uh, Wayne, uh, for that excellent um, and exciting presentation. And I just have a question. I, now that we've delineated the responsibilities and who owns what, can you talk a little bit about the city assets in particular, power. I know that the water we are building, uh, the water tanks or whatever, when ownership, can you explain to the public uh, what, because once we transfer those assets and it's owned by the, the, what are the expectations? What particular is the city going to do once we transfer those assets in terms of maintenance? And you know what I'm talking about here? In terms of operations, I know that the power it, I think it's extremely uh, very important, um, given the main land power and access, water access. Are we, is that the same expectations? Are the city later on going to be looking at us for money? Because once we so help, help the public and everyone to understand what ownership means and what are the obligations where you own that. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll pick up that question a little bit. Um, it's kind of different with each utility, with water, wastewater, and and power. Um, with the uh, completion of the reservoirs on YBI and their acceptance as part of this initial package, those will become uh, uh, PUC assets, and PUC will have a contiguous line of ownership from. The water to set water to Treasure Island comes from the Bay Bridge stump pump station, but ultimately from, you know, the Hetch Hetchy watershed, um, and so PUC will have ownership of of all of the new infrastructure, both uh, um, from the tanks all the way back 
to the to the traditional PUC assets as well as the uh, initial uh, distribution lines coming out of that. Um, we are having conversations with the state in terms of with the transfer of ownership of the storage, what does that mean for permitting of the systems on the island? Um, and so we're having that conversation at this time. Um, for wastewater, um, the PUC is accepting ownership of the new uh, sewer mains on uh, YBI and in the first subphase area on TI, but the uh, even new buildings like the Bristol on Treasure on Yerba Buena Island remain PU remain Tida wastewater customers. Um, because ultimately that sewage flows to the existing Tida wastewater treatment plant. The PUC has broken ground on the new wastewater treatment plant, and when that project is completed, then um, uh, and all the lines from that plant up to the distribution area are all in PUC ownership, then those customers will all become PUC uh, uh, wastewater customers. And then on the power front, uh, all of the services connected to new infrastructure are uh, being metered by PUC and becoming PUC customers. And we are having conversations with the PUC. Uh, they currently own, well, with the acceptance of this infrastructure, they will own all of the new, what we call joint trench. These are underground electrical distribution lines in the initial subphase areas. Um, they will own the switchyard equipment and the substructures at the switchyard that were constructed by the developer, and we're having conversations with them about transferring ownership of all of the off-island electrical infrastructure. Um, but we don't, uh, that would likely happen sometime next year. Okay, so thank you. Everything you just said, it, we need to kind of have a report that kind of delineate and capture everything here so we can look at the you know, document and be able to you know, ask questions. I think, yes, we need to move this item forward. And so thank you for your presentation, sir. Yes, Mrs. Zim. I have a similar question. So just for clarity, are we accepting these two parks in this request? Uh, all the improvements that we have talked about and listed, so there are nine yeah. of them. The, the two, the, by the two parks, you mean the uh, Bakai Grove and, and Willow, Willow Bridge? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so then what is the maintenance plan for those? Have we figured it out or are we accepting before figuring that out? Um, go, go ahead. Um, we, we are working with uh, CMG. We'll, we, the presentation we have on maintenance plan for the dog park, we can bring back similar presentations for these assets as well. Um, we're taking an acceptance action today, but the acceptance will not be complete until Board of Supervisors acts, which is expected to be in January. So, but if we accept today and there's questions about the maintenance plan, there's, it's still been accepted, right? There's, you could move forward without our yeah. approval of the maintenance plan? Um, yeah, we will. We, we, we will be prepared to, to maintain them. But yes, we, today's action is just the acceptance of the completed infrastructure, which is our obligation under the DDA. Um, 
because the developers completed the work. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't want to belabor, yeah, but yeah. I just I think I'm not sure if I'm understanding that whether we're assuming responsibility with understanding what the impact, the financial impact will be and whether we can maintain and if we ha are fully equipped to do that. Um, uh, I don't. We don't have. I don't have a presentation prepared for you today on on the uh, um, on the plans for for maintenance of these facilities, but uh, we we do have the financial resources uh, budgeted in the current year to maintain them, um, and uh, we are working uh, with CMG on. Uh, a maintenance plan uh, similar to the one you'll see today for the dog park and uh, we'll be with the intention of working with Rubicon to actually perform the physical maintenance of that of the space um, I think there's a lot of questions about that going forward the maintenance and the budget you know for that but um, Miss Howard Oh, yeah, I just have a couple of similar comments and questions, but I did want have one specific question. The, on the TIDA versus the city assets, the, on the city side it says city roads and other street improvements, and it seemed that a bunch of the roads that you mentioned today, the improvements were actually TIDA roads. So what distinguishes a TIDA road from a, a city road? And is there a, a map of that or some idea of what that looks like in terms of acceptance in the same I would say we did develop an ownership map that shows um, you know um, delineates what's city right away versus tighter roads um, the the I would say that this is kind of a one-off or two-off you can say it um, on Yuba Brennan Island the infrastructure plan um, limits the improvements obligation as I mentioned on the Northgate Road as an existing street, so they, the infrastructure plan left that as an existing road with minimum improvements, so the city cannot accept that, so that's why that is a uh, tighter asset. Um, and on Signal Road, it was a private road, um, but um, for the benefit of the tighter community overall, uh, it was determined to be a public road, but under Tida's, um, uh surface uh, responsibility. Those are sort of um, what I say one-off or two-off um, conditions. The the general the general um, direction is that any newly built roads are to the um, uh, city standard, and the city will take acceptance of those roads. But we, we do have a, a, the staff has a map that shows on YBI. Um, where the um, city right-of-way are versus what the private roads and there are a bunch uh, and versus the the tighter roads yeah, um, Wei, could you perhaps put up slide seven this one uh, no this will go back several more And, and on the, that slide, could you maybe indicate where Northgate, Signal, and uh, Burden Plaza are compared to all of the roadways that are being accepted by Public Works? So um, this is Northgate Road. Um, so Northgate Road is at the end, north, <coughs> at the western end of YBI. 
Um, and then basically North Gate Road is what you would take to, uh, how you would get to North Gate Road is when you get off the off ramp from um, the East Bay, if we're coming to the island from the East Bay, uh, you would turn left and then you make a, a sort of a, a U-turn, <laughs> a U-shaped turn, and then you get into this seldomly travel road. It provides access to the Great White Historical Quarters as well as the Coast Guard Base. Um, so the most frequented uh, visitors to Northgate Road are basically people who has business um, attending to the Great White Historical Quarters, but most likely they're visitors and staff of the Coast Guard Island, the Coast Guard Base. Um, there are no um, housing, uh, proposed housing development um, anywhere along Northgate Road, uh, which is probably, I assume, one of the reasons um, it was left as a existing road with the minimum improvements um, and one lane in each direction with no sidewalk and no shoulder. Um, and then Signal Road is this, um, another title road that I talked about is Signal Road here. I don't know if folks can see my cursor. Um, it originates from Yuba Brennan Road, which is a city right away. And it goes all the way to Signal Point um, at the top of Yuba Brennan Island. Um, it is a public road. Um, Tida maintains the surface, but city asserts jurisdiction over it. So the city will be able to issue permits and manage the utilities underneath the road, as well as this, um, um, the, the street lights, I believe. And then finally, the tank access road is a one lane only restricted lane, uh, road that leads to the water tank and pump facility. Um, it's um, basically a, a 14 foot wide access road that's only used by city staff. Um, and it'll be gate, arm, gate controlled at either end to restrict public vehicle from entering to this road. Again, the tightest responsibility is just to maintain the surface while the city owns and maintains the, the utilities underneath. Okay, great, yeah, I was just a little confused because I said city roads and then there, but, but this is probably the only two roads that would, are tighter roads. Moving yeah, forward. okay, great. Then, then all the rest of the right-of-ways indicated here are being accepted by Public Works. Okay, great. And then going back to the open space and parks, um, again, the urgency of thinking about how we are going to steward and govern these parks, given that we have a resolution today to accept these improvements, which are the Buckeye Grove, Willow Bridge Park. I'm, I'm unclear if we're accepting improvements for East and West Park tonight, today, and the Causeway Park and Waterfront Plaza, or will that come at a different time? Regardless, the, we're taking on another five open space parks. I mean, 1.3 acres is, is not trivial, really. I mean, and there's a bunch of other parks there. And, and just thinking about, um, we really need to get a plan in place. And, and I understand that's not your job, and I'm sorry to, to rant. But um, yeah, I just think, um, again, if we're accepting the resolution to do this, we need to have I don't know how we could be accepting something without having a plan in place to accept it and manage it. And that makes me somewhat nervous. Um, it wouldn't be the way that I would want to be doing business if it was, if I could make that, that, that choice. But um, yeah, so my main question is, are those three parks that are gonna be done by the end of 2023 a part of this resolution, which would make it 
five open space public use places that we're accepting today. The, the only open spaces that are part of this resolution are uh, the Buckeye Grove, which is also known as the West Stormwater Garden, and the East Stormwater Garden, or the Willow Grove. The other three will be later this year. Okay, thanks. Sorry. Thank you. Um, thank you, Wei Jiang, for that report. Um, and let me just note, though, that it is incredible that we're here today to be accepting this infrastructure that we have been in the process of designing, in the process of building and financing, and that we're here today to accept this infrastructure. Um, and I would say that over the years, the comments and suggestions that this board has made has made the plan and what we're doing today actually better, because there's better bicycle pathways, there's better pedestrian pathways. Um, I, I think that that um, our suggestions have been incorporated in that landscape design. And I would say um, thank you so much to CMG, and I see Will from CMG is here, because they were the master landscape architects for these gardens, these stormwater gardens, and, um, and the causeway improvements. And um, I think that their um, efforts and their perspective really suits what we are after, which is sustainable native plantings. Um, and I would like to point out, I mean, it, most of this is infrastructure, right? But they are gardens, and, and the stormwater, it's infrastructure, it's a stormwater park. But in fact, we've made it also into a garden. And that's such a wonderful thing, the, the idea that before we started uh, the work, the um, native plants on Yerba Buena Island were collected they were then um, uh, grown in the nurseries so that during the construction, um, they were grown, and then they could be replanted when we were ready to plant them. And so these stormwater gardens, yes, it's infrastructure, and it takes care of cleaning this water, the stormwater, before it's released into the bay, but um, also they're done with native plants which have been grown on the island, and it keeps the biodiversity that was that was there before. So these are wonderful things, and we're glad to see that. Also, the, um, the causeway improvements, that also was done with native plantings, and that actually provides the handicapped accessibility to Clipper Cove, and that's, you know, a, a great improvement as well. So all of these things, I think, are, are, are good, but um, I like the other, Mrs. Zim, and well, actually the rest of the board, I think we all share this concern that we are in, in some ways accepting these improvements without having a comprehensive long-term plan of how we are going to steward these public places that we're accepting. Um, we need to know the financial, there have been some financial projections, but we need to know bring them up to date, make sure that we're able to maintain what we're accepting. And um, we've, been at, we've been sounding that call for several years now. Um, and I think before we accept the major parks that are coming down the road, we really to have to have that plan in place. I would say of all the priorities that we have um, be before the board, you know, these, 
this is the public realm. These are the public parks. This is the reason why we're doing Treasure Island, actually. Mm. It's the affordable housing, and it's these parks in the public realm. We are the stewards of those spaces, and we need to have a comprehensive plan to do that. The long-term stewardship is so important. We can get the capital to build these parks, but if we don't have a plan for the operations, maintenance and management, and a budget for that, then these parks will not be maintained well over time. So um, we're looking forward to that report, which is coming, um, but we need to have action on it and make sure that we have a solid plan for long-term stewardship in place. Um, but, but thank you for your report today. Um, thank you for CMG and all the work that you've done over the years. I know that you've um, been, been great, um, you know, uh, going out there numerous times, making sure the landscaping and the planting was going uh, right, and we really appreciate your work on this. So um, we'll open it up to the public for comments. resolution. Okay. I'm seeing no public comment. And then we'll have a um, we'll have a resolution from the board. Okay. And second. I would uh, just listening to Commissioner Shen. Um, this is a major milestone. Yes, we understand the complexity of the infrastructure and all the elements in, involved in this resolution, and we trust that we are going to be asking for the reports that we did delineate that. But looking at the schedule of acceptance, um, we have an aggressive, we have to get it to the Board of Supervisors, and they also have to undergo their own process. Right. And uh, the, the mail has to sign in January 12, 2024, and this is October, so it makes sense, and again, congratulations to our staff and CMG and all the major stakeholders involved, and so I'm comfortable to move this along, so my resolution um, is to endorse uh, you know, that acceptance, please. Yeah. Okay. Do I have a second? Second. Okay. So all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, so the ayes have it. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Item number nine, the Rocks Dog Park Operations and Maintenance. Peter Somerville of Titus staff will, along with CMG, will present uh, on, on this plan. Good morning, directors. Uh, afternoon, excuse me. For the record, Peter Somerville, uh, Titus staff, here to speak to you today about the interim operation and maintenance plan for the Rocks Dog Park on YBI. Uh, there's a picture of it now. As we all know, we will be um, accepting it very soon. So hopefully the presentation we make today about the interim uh, plans for operation and maintenance will hope to allay some of the uh, immediate concerns that the board has about how prepared we are to pick up maintenance of the first few spaces as it continues its larger considerations about the bigger structure. Um, a quick outline of uh, the presentation today. We're going to run very quickly uh, through the acceptance history of the park. Uh, we'll turn it over to CMG to review the design and intent of the park, which is an important component then of how the park should be maintained. Uh, we'll give you a quick refresher on the park's O&M manual 
uh, we'll run through the O&M manual specific to the dog park chapter, which was provided to the board in their materials last week. Um, we will talk about the interim management structure for the dog park, which will also represent uh, the interim structure for the additional parks that we will be picking up uh, in this interim period and is reflective of uh, TIDA's long-term uh, partnerships and responsibilities for management island-wide. Um, a, a, a quick overview of the ongoing parks management planning and then we'll wrap it up with some questions. Um, really quickly before I turn it over to CMG, as you all know, in January of this year, um, it's been a busy year for the Dogs Park. The NOC was issued in July. This board approved a resolution accepting the park and dedicating it for public use. And this past September, the Board of Supervisors uh, passed an ordinance acknowledging that acceptance and dedication of the park for public use. Uh, so here we are, very close to the park opening, um, and everyone is very excited about that. Uh, at this point, I want to turn it over to Will from CMG, who will walk through um, the history of the park, the construction, um, and its design as well. Hi, everybody. My name is Will Binge with CMG Landscape Architecture. Uh, Faye, I wanted to thank you for your encouraging words earlier. This is a, a milestone for all of us and, you know, certainly in our our journey in partnership with everybody in designing all of these beautiful spaces that are, are coming together. Um, so I'm just going to share just briefly kind of a little bit of the background of the design intent for the park as well as some of the highlights um, around the construction of the dog park over the, the past few years. And so the, a few kind of early design goals. I have a kind of early design rendering shown here. and. You know, our goals for the park were initially to be a space for dogs, of course, uh, but also for people. So it's a, a, a place for uh, people and dogs to enjoy the island and also th these amazing views that uh, look out um, over the east side of, of YBI. And then also to make sure that the dog park was really kind of of the island, you know, its material characteristics as well as um, its grading, making sure that the grading was really kind of nestled into the slopes of the island and not protruding from it and, and, and very well kind of placed on, on those slopes. And as a part of that, um, we needed to find a way to uh, take up the grading along that um, eastern or the uh, western slope of the dog park. And we initially had a, a, a retaining wall designed on the right side of, of the drawing here. And during the excavation of the island, we ended up finding all of these boulders tons of different boulders, which we, we had all of the crews start to pile down on TI in our salvage yard. And the boulders slowly grew and grew, and we finally realized we had this huge stack of boulders and we wanted to find something to do with them. And so we ended up doing away with the retaining wall and uh, using these, these salvage boulders to, to, to uh, take up the grade, but also kind of form spaces for the dogs to play and people to sit on, um, all of that good stuff. And, and so the boulders ended up being kind of the defining element of the park. Uh, this is a photo of that kind of salvaged yard area where we stored all the boulders. Uh, we had a, a, a kind of fun uh, time doing an inventory and kind of classification of all the boulders. So we like went through the salvaged uh, boulder pile and decided how many big ones we had, uh, quantified them all as a way to uh, decide how to uh, best integrate them into the park design. 
Um, we also had a, a great time during construction. This was probably the most intensive of the construction of this small park is uh, being out there in the field and making sure all the boulders were well situated, finding ones that had kind of a bench-like character or um, a really kind of monolithic kind of feel to them to, to really kind of frame all of these spaces within the park and uh, create um, seating spaces as well. And, and so it's turned out beautifully. Um, we're, we're super excited to finally start seeing some dogs and people in here, hopefully soon. Um, it all uh, came together to, to create almost like this dog park zen garden um, that we have here on the, uh, on the um, east side of, of the island. Um, another interesting story, kind of, I, I think there's an overarching story around material reuse in this park, uh, the, the boulders being central to that, but we also, during the process of, of the rough grading on the island, we transplanted four large uh, live oak trees that were existing on the island and uh, put them down in our, in our nursery on TI, uh, nourished them, maintained them for a few years, and then we were able to bring one back um, to the dog park to kind of anchor the uh, south side of the park. So this is them uh, craning it back into its uh, new slash old home. Um, and so that's, I, I think the end of end of my presentation, I, I could talk about the, all of this, um, you know, for hours, but I'll turn it back over to Peter to talk a little bit more about the maintenance uh, plan specifically. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Um, with that, then we'll run quickly into an overview uh, on the O&M manual, which in the interim period will guide and prescribe the. Uh, uh, tasks and goals for maintaining the dog park. Um, as the board generally knows, we seek to have the O&M manual serve as a comprehensive document to define system-wide requirements. It also allows for defining individual levels of service for each park based on location, programming, scale, and assumed use. Uh, provides specific guidelines for management, engineering, landscape, maintenance, and janitorial disciplines. Uh, its intent is to serve as a living document that can continue to be edited and updated organized to accommodate future parks, future phases, and like I said, serve as updates documents. Also structured so that TIDA can use it in seeking departmental work orders, procurements and requests for proposals for specific services contained within the manual vital to parks management and maintenance. Um, individual parks chapters inside the manual serve to further the manual's goals by establishing more technical levels of service tailored to each individual park providing preliminary guidance and direction on unique care and maintenance presented by an individual park, for example, those containing public artwork or unique elements. Um, and it also supports TIDA's near-term and interim contracting and budget projections uh, over the next couple years as we look at needs per park. Um, with that, we will transition into the specifics of the dog park chapter of the O&M manual, which will serve to guide our partners as they maintain uh, the dog park during the interim. Um, as presented to the board, you can see it's a very intensive chapter. Uh, here is the table of contents. I don't need to read each one, but again, it is specific to the elements of the park and demonstrates the level of detail and direction that each chapter can get into. Um, understanding as well that the dog park, all things considered, is a very, fairly basic uh, park facility, and we expect chapters for the more complex and larger parks to certainly have uh, more nu nuance and more level of detail specific to those spaces than the dog park chapter does, perhaps. Um, looking through the dog park 
specific considerations. Obviously, um, addressing dog soiling is going to be uh, critical on a daily basis. Uh, maintaining safe, clean, odor-free, and litter-free environment is a priority. Uh, we want to make sure, obviously, that we have a wonderful experience for dogs and for their humans that are accompanying them. Um, on the planting end around the outside of the facility and the planted areas within the park, obviously promoting overall plant and tree establishment, using the holistic practices that Rubicon is well-versed on, including small tool plant removal, regular soil monitoring, mulching, and applying integrative pest management techniques as necessary. Um, we certainly want to provide additional attention upfront to the plants and trees that are inside the play area, understanding they may see more stress. Um, the focus on the plants and trees and their health is also as important as the focus on the cleanliness inside the dog space. Um, again, on the systems end, we expect there to be the need for regularly scheduled inspections, replacements, repairs, servicing, and adjustments on the variety of utility services and fixtures in the park. That includes water, uh, potable and irrigation, electrical, sewer collection and drainage, uh, as well as parks irrigation. One thing that is notable about the facility, um, it does have a collection and drainage system underneath um, the dog play area to aid with um, cleanliness and drainage. There is another picture of it. There's really no bad pictures of this facility, I think. Um, the interim parks management structure that TIDA will be utilizing to um, approach the care and maintenance of the parks that are coming online, both the dog park and the additional parks that Wade discussed in his um, presentation, is a collaborative effort consistent with um, how TIDA and its partners manage parks and public spaces on island currently. Um, again, using the assignments and the disciplines as called out in the dog park chapter, it is expected that TIDA staff will perform the management uh, engineering tasks, particularly as needed, are performed by public works staff or their contractors. Uh, the landscaping tasks are to be performed by Rubicon Landscape. Um, overall, in the parks management structure, janitorial tasks are to be performed by Toolworks. Um, as we know, the dog park facility does not have any uh, buildings, facilities, restrooms, uh, anything requiring uh, classical janitorial services, but we do expect that further um, parks facilities will require that need. Um, really quickly now, I'm just going to walk through the various responsibilities for each of the disciplines as specific uh, to the dog park itself. Uh, management responsibilities critical to the dog park, of course, include cracking, uh, QAQC quality assurance quality control of performance of landscaping and engineering tasks, regular field monitoring, um, staff and agencies putting eyes on these uh, facilities on a daily basis is critical, um, particularly in the early phases as we start to understand how the parks perform um, and what challenges and different knobs we need to turn in terms of levels of service and, and monitoring. Um, data collection and reporting on observations as well as um, required IPM reporting in different city ordinance reporting, um, intake and respond to public questions, comments, concerns about the park that may come up, and also assure collaboration and proper communication amongst the different divisions, landscaping, engineering, uh, specialized services. Engineering tasks expected at the dog park, um, primarily in the early days are expected to be uh, inspections and assessments of um, the systems and the site, uh, hardscapes, utilities, mechanical systems, um, functionality, remedying hazards, um, repairs, replacements, and scheduled and as-needed systems inspections. 
are expected to be the initial dog park um, task heavy loads on the engineering team. Uh, landscape, obviously, we talked a little bit earlier, the critical need for regular washing and monitoring of the play areas. Um, along with that, obviously, maintenance of the ground cover, plants, trees, and shrubs, um, monitoring and inspection of the irrigation system that, uh, that feeds the facility, coordinating IPM management, and also serving to assure a neat and welcoming environment through regular wipe downs of water fountains, waste containers, removing blown trash, and uh, serving as daily eyes and ears uh, to the facility. Janitorial, as I mentioned, um, there is not proper janitorial tasks requiring a daily presence from tool works, mainly trash can removal and spot wipe downs of fixtures of fences at this facility we anticipate uh, to be performed by Rubicon Landscape as part of their daily uh, task list. Um, again, a reference to the fact that the board is still in the middle of larger ongoing parks management planning. Um, so this structure is presented as the interim structure as the larger um, plan comes together. Uh, the important thing that, that staff likes to note, particularly in the interim, is I think the critical uh, individuals to this process are the landscapers, the gardeners, the engineers, the trade people, the laborers uh, performing the work. I think that we have been successful to date with the collaborative approach um, that TIDA utilizes between ourselves, Public Works, Rubicon, and our partners. Um, regular staff attention, regular monitoring, priority setting, and the ability to tweak the frequency schedules as we see a need to increase or, or decrease uh, frequencies are going to be critical in this interim process to uh, making sure that we're creating a, a welcoming and, and, and clean and friendly environment for all those uh, involved. Um, and with that, we've come to the end of my presentation. Just a quick reminder, we ran through the design and intent and history. Uh, we sort of contextualized the O&M manual. We spoke to the specifics of the dog chart park, park chapter overview. Uh, we spoke a little bit to the interim man management structure overall, how it would be applied uh, to dog park, and uh, a reference to as the ongoing management is um, taking place for the longer term decisions, we are confident that the interim structure we have in place will serve our needs um, as these first few park spaces start opening up. And with that, I am happy to uh, turn it over to any questions you might have. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, that was the first time I had heard of a dog park Zen garden. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure the dogs will appreciate it and maybe it'll make them calmer to be in that space. Um, but I, I do know that it's going to be a state-of-the-art dog park and it will have the best view of any dog park in the world. <laughs> so we're, we're glad to see that it's, it's coming and that it's finished and, um, and that we have an interim plan to maintain and manage that. Um, it, in some ways, um, the horticultural needs are less because this is mostly um, stone and gravel. Um, I'm glad we were able to save one of the oak trees to, to put there, um, but it's a wonderful design. So thank you very much for that. I'm going to open up to the board, Ms. Howard. Yeah, thank you for that. It was really interesting and really exciting to see the reuse of those big boulders, and um, I'd love to hear the history of them, if, if rocks could talk, right? <laughs> um, I just had one simple question. I don't see, I mean, Bob, um, Director um, Beck mentioned earlier there was some graffiti that's being taken care of on the island. I'm just curious, like, does that fall under the landscaping 
or in the janitorial. If God forbid there's, you know, graffiti. Traditionally, like our, our graffiti is handled by public works, so that would fall under the engineering. Um, and I think that reminds me that maybe we don't have that element in our frequency schedule and we should add it. So thank you for that. But yes, generally graffiti removal is handled by public works. Okay, great, thank you. Okay. All right, Ms. Richardson. Yeah, thank you again, uh, Peter. And I wanna take this opportunity to acknowledge your work on Treasure Island. We know that you are hands-on and do you do a lot of things, you know, working with uh, Commission on the Environment and other stakeholders. And I'm looking at, yes, we've asked for the comprehensive manual that will be developed, and I'm excited about even some of the ideas that you put together here. It, it cannot tell me that we are marching towards that comprehensive uh, document because, yeah, so it's your work is in progress, and again, we have a timeline to help you and uh, to get something comprehensive so that we can really uh, move on with this project. But again, I just wanted to acknowledge your work. And also, again, uh, we thank you for CMG for your guidance. And if you're not going away, and you're going to be around to help us to scale this uh, you know, ambitious wall. Thank you. Thank you. And it's obviously been a team effort, including multiple Titus staff members, CMG, TIDG, Peter Brastow, our partners at Rubicon, and on and on. So but thank you. Thank you. And the proof is going to be when the dogs come. <laughs> so we will get that experience, and I'll bring mine as well. But um, we'll open it up to the public. I'm sorry, I should have just mentioned for the board that we will be bringing a bigger Rubicon amendment, I believe, in January for the additional spaces to expand their contract through 630. At that time, we'll include the dog park in that amendment. We do have the ability to fund them for the dog park and for public works between now and then through our regular budget. Thank you. Uh, are there any comments or questions from the, from the public? Seeing no public comment. Okay, no public comment. This was not an action item, it was informational. Thank you very much for that presentation. Item number 10, update on resident engagement regarding Starview Court transition units and other transition opportunities for residents of the villages at Treasure Island. So Karen Edelman uh, will give an update on our uh, work this past month with uh, residents at Mercy. Good afternoon, members of the board. Thank you so much for allowing me to present to you today. We're happy to let you know how uh, we've been engaging with the community on Treasure Island to talk with them about future housing uh, to support Director Beck's uh, ongoing uh, communications and, and messaging to the community. So we wanted to start um, with answering some of the questions that the board asked us last month um, to provide you information about how we are documenting our communications with people to make sure everybody is um, understanding the messaging or, or receiving the messaging and, and we can be confident that that information is getting out to everyone. So um, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about how we are supporting Director Beck and the staff to communicate um, the assistance that's available under the transition housing rules and regulations. Uh, we want to talk about how we um, engage the community and the resident support related to the transition units at Starview Court, which is coming up. Uh, we hope that people can start moving in there early uh, June 2024. 
And then we want to talk about our, our really next push is getting the households and residents in the island to meet with us individually to develop an individual housing plan specific to their needs and um, the housing that's available on the island. So one of the things we heard you say is, uh, Karen, please document what's happening in the islands that we understand that um, you are doing the work that we've charged you to do. So uh, one of the things that we've included in your board package that we're not going to go through on a slide today is a sample um, TI advisor engagement record. So if um, you look in your board report, you'll see that there's just kind of a sampling of the notes that we take um, for the purpose of capturing information and where we're at with each household. The sample that you have does, of course, does not have names and addresses in it. Um, those records will uh, include uh, individual resident contact, uh, community engagement tracking. So like, it's not only I called and spoke with this household, it's also we put door hangers out this day, we sent an email blast to these people on this day, um, we did outreach communications, we had open house events. Uh, we also want to document resident demographics and income so that we can help focus the conversation about future housing and uh, details about the future housing opportunities for each household. Like, are they engaged in first-time homebuyer programs? What can we do to um, help funnel the information to them specifically? Um, resident contact preferences, do you prefer to be called? Emails, uh, letters sent to your home. Um, all correspondence will be in that those records. And then also the uh, MyTIDA portal documents. So as we've mentioned to you, there's this portal that we have that we share files and the residents of the island have an opportunity to participate in that and get copies of all the documents that we've had um, presented to them thus far. So just as a matter of um, background and, and to establish the roots of the program, um, wanted to just capture that uh, what Treasure Island Interim Housing um, and Leasing Program has been. And when uh, TIDA uh, began its efforts, there were 260 units of one Treasure Island housing uh, on the island. And there, were now, there are now 342 units of um, apartments that are managed by the villages in Treasure Island. So really two groups. One is with one Treasure Island, and one are the apartments available under the villages at Treasure Island. And just as a matter of uh, jogging our memories, that the transition housing rules and regulations were adopted by the board in 2011, and they established certain benefits for all persons that were uh, on the lease and living on the island prior to June 29th, 2011. So you're gonna hear throughout this communication um, and as we move forward, those are what we would call to legacy households, households who lived on the island uh, prior to 2011, June 29th, 2011. Then um, in 2019, this board uh, passed a resolution saying, we wanna provide um, some assistance to people that moved in since June 29th, 2011 and December 2019. So those are folks that we call vested households. So people that moved in in that interim period. And then anyone that moved in after December 20, uh, 2019, those are post-vested households. So that just helps um, bring you along in how we uh, communicate uh, to the residents of the island and understand the assistance that's available to them. Um, 
going back to our two major categories, we have the 260 households um, under the One Treasure Island umbrella. And as you are all very aware, um, their partner organizations are Swords to Plowshares, Catholic Charities, Health Rights 360, and HomeRise. And the residents living in One Treasure Island units have an opportunity to transition to new buildings as they become available on the island. So uh, they are not the primary target of assistance for the TI advisors, even though we're there to offer supportive um, information about housing. But in reality, the housing that's available um, is already available through their um, One Treasure Island and its partners. And the chart here shows you about when uh, op uh, opportunities for housing are coming online for the residents in One Treasure Island. Here again is a definition section where it helps you understand um, how we refer to the households. We have legacy residence households prior to the June 29th, 2011, vested between 2011 and uh, 2019, um, the post vested since 2019, and then there's a category of corporate leaseholders. So we just wanna take a minute to kind of help you understand um, where we are at in our communications on the island and who we have. So currently we have 342 households um, at the villages in Treasure Island, 93 legacy residence households. We have 59 mixed resident households, 137 vested resident households, 22 post-vested resident households, and 31 corporate leases. So I want to talk to you first about legacy and mixed. A mixed household is simply a household that has some residents that were there prior to 2011 and other roommates. Those could be vested or post-vested. And so um, we're just here to kind of capture that and help you understand the benefits that are available to those who are legacy residents in those households. Um, so their benefit program, what are those households eligible to receive? They have TI advisor support. Me and my team are available to help them talk about future housing, help them create an uh, individual housing plan, understand what their income uh, might mean as far as the opportunities they have for housing in the future. Uh, they have Treasure Island resident preference. So whenever there's affordable housing um, developed on our island, they get to move to the top of the lottery with their Treasure Island resident preference number. These households can re receive pre-marketing notices for all housing that's developed on the island. Uh, they're, they're eligible for down payment assistance if, that's, if they want to purchase um, housing, which would be fantastic on the island. We're happy to support that. We've already had three households uh, do that on the island. And then uh, we also are available if, if people don't like any of those options above, they can file for an in-lieu payment. The next group are the mixed household and the vested households. So this would apply to the vested residents who moved in, um, those vested residents living in a legacy household, and then the vested um, households on the island. So what are they eligible to receive? Um, they have TI, TI advisor support. Again, we're really happy to work with them with an individual housing plan, help them understand how their income impacts their ability to qualify for affordable housing um, for sale or for lease. We're happy to guide them to first-time homebuyer programs, help them understand how to sign up for Dahlia, have them pre-marketing notice lists, help them understand what's available in the future. So um, we continue to be available to support them and their housing in the future. 
Then we have the other households. So we have um, post-vested households. Those are people that moved into the island uh, since 2019. And again, happy to help them out, help them understand what future housing is available, um, and uh, support them in the Dahlia research. And this category of group of folks do not receive assistance with the uh, Treasure Island resident preference number, unlike the legacy who have priority one and the vested who have priority two, and all housing on the island, uh, affordable housing on the island. So we're eager to work with them to help them understand their housing opportunities and develop um, housing plans and qualify for Dahlia or sign up for Dahlia and understand what their opportunities are. Um, one of our really big efforts in the last couple months, and we've reported this to you in the past, is that we've been meeting with individual households, uh, legacy and mixed households, to help them understand about their specific opportunity for housing at Starview Court. So we have 23 units of, four, of transition units at Starview Court, and we asked for volunteers, and we had 21 households volunteer uh, by the deadline of September 1st, and the Starview Court management team, which is the Mercy Housing Team, Catholic Charities Team, have worked with us to um, speak with these households and understand their interests, help them choose housing. Uh, they, one of the benefits of volunteering early is that they got to select um, units that they were most interested in, um, their first three top preferences. And right now, the Starview Court team is sorting through that and uh, preparing letters that are going to say, this is great, your first choice was X, we think we were able to offer that to you, and so we're planning for you to move into Starview Court um, next June. So we hope that those letters will be going out very soon. So what are the next steps? Um, we are continuing to meet with legacy and vested households in particular to talk about Starview Court. So over the next couple months, we're going to continue to see if anybody wants to volunteer, have second uh, priority for choosing units, and um, helping them understand how their income uh, impacts affordable housing options at Starview Court, um, help them meet with the Starview Court management team uh, to talk about their future opportunities there. And um, one of the things they're going to be doing is sitting down with each household and helping to understand who lives in each household, help each household certify that so that we can confirm who our residents are in our, in our, in our apartments, and then also try and understand their income so that, again, we can be very specific in working with them about their future housing opportunities. Um, just as we move forward, one of the things we want to talk about is how um, even though we have 21 initial volunteers for Starview Court, um, we're not sure that every one of those um, households will move forward with selecting a unit um, at Starview Court. So um, at present, uh, let's see if I have my numbers right, we have 10 households that are interested in transition units. We have six households that volunteered for affordable units, which is really great. That leaves us with 13 transition units that are not yet spoken for. So our team's gonna to continue to reach out to people during the fall and see if anybody else wants to take advantage of those 13 units and volunteer. And then um, what will happen is in January, we're gonna to transition to um, uh, issuing move notices. So we're gonna go in order of legacy household ranking. We're going to assess the, um, the housing needs for each of those legacy or mixed households. And then we're going to offer a move notice and say, we have a unit for you at Starview Court. 
This is your transition housing opportunity. And so there's a lot more to that message, including other housing options that are coming available in 2024, um, opportunities for affordable rentals, inclusionary rentals, um, and inclusionary condominiums that are coming online. And so the message is um, supported by other efforts to give them other opportunities for housing. But um, our understanding is that come January, uh, we're going to be issuing move notices to households to fill those remaining 13 units on at Starview Court. Oops. So this just gives you a little bit of a timeline um, of what's happening with Starview Court because this is pretty critical for our team as we move forward this year. And right now we're in October. This is where we're continuing to meet with people. Starview Court's going to be issuing those letters that we talked about. In January, Title will be issuing move notices to households that match the units we have available at Starview Court for transition housing. March 22nd is the date that Dahlia is going to offer the remaining affordable units at Starview Court. Again, if you're a legacy resident on the island, you can use your Treasure Island resident preference number to get the first position in that lottery. Um, if you're a vested resident, you can use your Treasure Island resident preference number for the second opportunity for housing on that lottery. Um, in the spring, Starview Court management team will continue to meet with people, finalize the lease up, and in June, we're going to start moving people into the Starview Court. This slide is um, hopefully a, a good uh, summary and reference for the board and uh, the community to understand what's available. Again, we are trying to meet with each household to help them understand their individual housing plan. There's a lot of information here, and it, it, people have a lot of circumstances that they want to talk through, so that's our goal. So some of the opportunities are rent transition housing. If you're a legacy household, um, you can rent transition housing at Starview Court or one of our future transition unit properties. Um, you can rent market rate housing. You can purchase market rate housing. You can rent affordable housing. You can purchase affordable condominiums on the island. You can request an in-lieu payment if you're a legacy household member and say, I don't want any of the above. Give me my in-lieu payment. And so we continue to process that. So your benefits that people are eligible to receive is specific to when they moved onto the island and if they continue to be residents on the island in good standing. So again, that's a large part of what we're doing over these months is having one-on-one -on -one meetings with everyone to help everybody understand what their benefits are um, that are available to them. So thank you very much for your time. I know that was a lot of information, but hopefully it's uh, helpful to the board to understand uh, what we're doing on the island and some of the information we're providing. So I'm happy to take any questions. Okay. I um, will open it up to the board. Um, Mrs. Zim. Thank you so much for this presentation. Uh, I really appreciate all the data. And I didn't see the packet, but if we could get the packet, that would be great just to absorb the info. But my question is around the move notices, that it seems like a very, that will be a challenging time for residents. Yeah. And as we know, there, we can make efforts to contact and it doesn't always reach the right person. And so I would like a little more information about what our touch points are going to be and what the plan is around that. And making sure that we are documenting all of that so we know and can just approach it with the softest touch as possible. Absolutely. It is a very, as you know, it's, it'll be a very touchy subject for many folks. And so just trying to understand what the plan is and making sure we're being as conscious as possible. Absolutely. 
Thank you for that comment. And, and one of the things we're doing is the documentation that we talked about, but we do try and reach people through very, uh, from many different mediums, and we're going to continue to do that. And our goal over the next few months is to meet with each household that is early on in that legacy household ranking, right? So there's no surprises. So people understand and had an opportunity to have a real conversation with somebody about their future housing plans before January. Thank you. Um, Ms. Richardson. Thank you, Karen, uh, for, the, for this report. It, it, it is an improvement on the ones that we had before. And yes, we need to get um, the documents way ahead of time. It just, if you look at the different categories that you have presented, for us, the priority, yes, we care about all the residents, the legacy is really it's the foremost because these are the residents that TIDER is mandated to give a top preference. And so that is gonna be very important. And your report today, we're only talking about 152 households. So we have the legacy 2011, and some of them have their roommates. The profile of those roommates and where they are, it again, is very important. So fast-tracking, we have the vested, yes, the amended uh, resolution that brought in the post uh, you know, in 2019. It's basically, if you look at that resolution, uh, the mayor of San Francisco a long time ago has this preference. If it's something is built in your neighborhood, I think, uh, you know, London Breed, when she was the board president, and I work on that, uh, 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 initiative with us as well. Those vested, basically what he's saying is more or less like a duplication of what the mayor did. If you live in an area and you're also a first choice, not the same category as legacy, you can be attentive and take advantage of housing. And also, not just Treasure Island, they also need to be told about the opportunities of all these other housing opportunities, and I cannot believe that we have our 23 of units that are ready, and we have thousands and 70,000 people waiting for housing, and we are still a deficit of 13, and so we're gonna have to do that. What we would like to do in 2024 is that we really, really need to concentrate on the residents that are producing their document, already those that we are offering and we wanted to know what the challenges are so we can move on and something that i'm hearing from you at the uh, for the first time which is great is that coming in 2024 that you're going to be aggressive and say hey this is the legacy we've reached out to you and you can produce the documentation we have meetings and we have one-on-one -on -one counseling this is your number this is where we are they need to understand that this process is not gonna be yo-yoing around, okay? Because you're offered a housing, we need to move fast to occupy. We, we have an obligation to occupy all those because the statistics says people are getting, okay? Ready, wanted to move. And that's why the income qualification, whatever the eligibility are, at beginning of the year, that process must be uh, undertaking and be able to satisfy. So it's, it's a lot, 
to work with here, but I think the messages from here, and again, the obligation we have is that we need to make you know, progress and we need to get those reports. And all the categories you're keeping, the profile, I mean, 152 legacy household. And you look at the universe, even with the villages, we're not talking about thousands of residents. And that's what is mind boggling, you know, what we are doing. So we need to make tremendous uh, improvement. So thank you. And we are gonna be um, talking. We have the housing and committee now, and we are gonna work with you to all the, everyone, all of us here to kind of help to iron things out so we can really make tremendous progress. So thank you. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Howard? Yeah, thank you. Um, I, uh, yeah, so thanks for that. And I, that first page where you had the list of, of records that you're keeping, um, I think what the other board members here asked for was a report on that, like a, the quantification of what, you know, what are those numbers associated with that list that was like page one or two of your slide, the various ways that you're keeping track of. Right. I don't know. If, oh, there we go. Because I think, yeah, it would be great to see, like, what are the what were the numbers associated with those categories? Like how many legacy actually have a, a portal or oh, do all of them? that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I'd love to know like the record of individual residents, like is that all 93 legacy households? Right. So maybe if we can get, I don't know, maybe a, a compilation of that information, right. maybe next time just to see how those are lining up. So I'm really confused about the um, the volunteers. So there were 21 volunteers for Star View Court, Correct. and you said that it's not sure how many of those will be available, or I was unclear on what, and then there were still 13, 13 yeah. still available. So I was unclear, like, what happened to those 21? Okay, I probably didn't explain it very well. So um, there were we had this volunteer period, and we said, if you are a legacy and mixed household only, you can apply for this early volunteer period. You'll meet with the Starview Court Management team. When you meet with them, you're gonna bring your income information, you're gonna bring um, the adults in your household, and you're gonna to talk to the Starview Court team about which unit might be better for you. So some households are saying, hey, I want an affordable unit because that's a better uh, plan for me in my household is an affordable unit. Okay, so that means they're not gonna take one of our 23 transition units. All right, so as it worked out, my memory is so good, right? So as it worked out, we had um, 10 people of those households saying, I want a transition unit. And when they made that decision, they got to select what their priority unit, like, I like this unit, or I like this unit, so they're top three. Um, there were 13, uh, I'm sorry, there were six households that said, I want an affordable unit. That's great. I want an affordable unit. And so they provided income information to Starview Court, um, and they had those conversations about what their rent might be like. But of the 23 transition units that we have available, um, that means that 10 of them have already been claimed, um, but that means we still have 13, right? Because some of our people went and wanted affordable units. So it's those 13 of, uh, transition units that are ours, and we get to fill them. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the people that volunteered kind of changed their mind. They didn't follow through with meetings. Um, but so far, we have 16 households of the 21 that have kind of 
stayed with the program. Um, and then we have the 13 transition units we're still trying to fill. So our real goal is to continue to meet with uh, the households and say, here's an opportunity. Do you want to sign up? Yeah, and so then how many of the legacy, I mean, like there's 13 units and all the legacy people have been contacted and you've said here these units are available and there's no, nobody's interested in those. And then I'm just curious then like these, again, the notices that are going to go out, those are going out to those top 13 on the list? To top, say. yeah, the, the, we go through and we have to match. So say, for example, the person with the number one legacy household ranking, what if they need a one bedroom? I don't have any one bedroom transition units at Starview Court. So I'm not going to match them. But maybe unit number two needs a two bedroom and I have a matching two bedroom. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to be doing in the coming months is to go back to that household and say, I really want you to understand. There's a good choice. You're going to get a move notice in January anyway. Do you want to talk now when you have a chance to maybe select a unit before anybody else? Um, the first volunteer group is done. They've made their first selections. but. There's this window. Do you, we're probably going to knock on your door in January and tell you, here's your move notice. So do you want this time to make a choice? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then um, my final question, and you could, yeah, sorry. Um, just that there's down payment assistance. I'm curious about the HOA. I saw that the HOAs are quite um, large for those. I'm wondering if there's HOA assistant for residents or, or legacy um, households or mixed households and also... Um, yeah, I'm just so let me curious start there. Yeah. Um, so when um, the sales price for a condominium, a below market rate or inclusionary condominium on the island, it, when it's priced out, it is priced so that your mortgage, interest, taxes, um, insurance, and HOA, all that is approximately 30% of your income. System-wide. System-wide charges. Yeah. So it isn't 30% of your income for your mortgage plus your HOA fee. So it's, it's all uh, figured in in that initial pricing. And Bob can correct me, but I think that's worked through with uh, MOHCD and HCD. And yeah, that, that, that's, that's correct. The HOA fees do remain, are, are frequently voiced, though, as a concern um, of people who are considering purchasing inclusionary condominiums, not because of the affordability at initial move-in, but potential exposure to change, future changes in the mm -hmm. HOA fees. So um, that, that's something that we're continuing to discuss with Mo and, and you know, how to address those concerns from residents because that, that is uh, a concern which is inhibiting interest in in the for sale condominiums yeah okay um let's see do we have additional questions um, mr ref yes yeah thank you for your report um my question to you is you know we've reached out to all these people that are out here right the move date notices are coming out in january what is the overall percentage of people that respond have responded to this I know that's a tough one, so. Right. Um, I'll have to look to give you a specific percentage, but we specifically sent via email, and we realized we don't have everybody's email. 
We called. We don't have everybody's phone number. We um, had letters delivered to the door. So we're pretty sure that that got to everybody. Um, and we left door hangers saying, you need to contact your TI advisor. We really want to talk to you. And this isn't our first outreach. We've, we've done this quite a bit, um, realizing that we need many different touch points to communicate with the households. Um, so we're continuing to do that. We also text, we exchange notes. So um, we do get responses. We get a lot of responses. We really, really focused on the first 50 of the legacy households um, in order of legacy household ranking in the last couple months. Um, usually we've got some sort of response. Sometimes it's, I'm not interested, right? And then sometimes we just got no response at all. So we're just gonna keep trying. Okay. Briefly. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, the percentage of um, people who actually were early volunteers of the legacy households, that comes out to only 20%. So maybe it's 22%. But um, it is astounding to me that we have these units, these, these newly constructed, beautifully designed units, and that only 21 of the vested households are interested when there are thousands of people who are on that Dahlia lottery list who would who would just in would just be overjoyed to get one of these units. So I I don't know what the perceptions are or what the issues are, but um, but sure enough, we're going to have to move forward, and people are going to be faced with a situation where. If they don't accept the unit, they're going to have to leave. Um, we're offering you a unit. If you don't want that unit, for whatever reason you have, then there's no other option that we have. Um, so I am, I am actually just, uh, I, I don't understand it. It's conundrum. Um, but I hope that you do your utmost to reach everybody on the island. Thank yeah. You. And briefly, okay. yeah. yes, Mr. yes, briefly, uh, the, the statistics that we need are actually the percentage. So please, for your presentation, it is important for us here to get a projection of what is actually going on. And we, we Commissioner Shen, you know, have to figure out the percentage. I think that should be upfront because you're talking about January, when you're gonna be going to knock on the door and say we are here, that statistic is what's gonna drive and let us know what the rest, what is happening with the universe of only 152 households. And also, Karen, we need the package of your presentation there. Um, what you just presented, um, if you can print that out, I'm go we're gonna go back and revisit um, all of that. The bottom line is here, we are going to move forward. Yeah. And we have to produce a report periodically to the Board of Supervisors of all the stakeholders to say, this is where we are right now. This, uh, the legacy, we've done all this and that, and we mm -hmm. can produce a verification of what we've done, and they are now responding because the city also is pressured because at some point they can say, wait a minute, you have all these units in, uh, on Treasure Island, and we are struggling from the mainland and all of that. Nobody is waiting for that, but we have to be able to protect ourselves here that we've done everything, we committed the resources, and this is where we are. 
and then move to there. It's not going to be open-ended. And so that's the message. That's why we're asking all this question. But if someone meets you in the elevator or, you know, be able to get the statistics and say, hey, out of this universe, uh, legacy, uh, you know, category, I'm only getting 22%. And people are going to say, wait a minute, we started this thing in 2011, and we committed all these resources. And then when we go to the island, the statistics also could be conveyed to the public and on record. That's that's way everybody can know where they are, and then we can disseminate what we are going to be doing next, and let them know that other people might step forward and take those units, and we don't even have enough money to build uh, some of those. So you want to wait on the Tetra Island and wait. Some of those may not even come, given the economic conditions. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Richardson. Um, okay, we'll open it up to the public for any comments or questions. Uh, seeing no public comment. Okay, so um, we'll go on to the next item. Thank, Thank you, you very much for your report. Item number 11, discussion of future agenda items by directors. Okay, um, directors, are there future items that you wanted to bring up? No. Other than the ones that have already <laughs> been brought up to date? Uh, hearing none, um, uh, I think that I'd like to turn it over to Bob. I believe we have some new TIDA staff people. So, sorry. Before we before we adjourn, I did want to acknowledge that we have uh, two Titus staff that joined in the last month, uh, following our last board meeting. Uh, Bree Constance Huffin, uh, who is our new um, public information officer, Stand oh. and uh, Leanne Hernandez, who is on our finance team. Great. So. Well, welcome. welcome to both of you to the Titus staff. Um, this is a great agency. We're doing good work. Welcome to both of you. Welcome aboard. Yeah. Okay. Then with that, I think we can adjourn. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you all. Thank, Thank you, you for coming. Meeting.